Good day, beloved. Today I'll be reading out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. In the chapters preceding this particular chapter, we encounter a group of people, God's people, who was going through a really, really tough time. When you page back to the chapters preceding this particular verse that I'm about to read, you can sense the frustration that is building up. They are desperate for a way out. They are desperate for God to rescue them. So in Isaiah 40 verse 9 it says, Messenger of good news, shout to Zion from the mountaintops. Shout louder to Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Tell the towns of Judah, your God is coming. Yes, the sovereign Lord is coming in all his glorious power. He will rule with awesome strength. See, he brings his reward with him as he comes. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. He will gently lead the mother sheep with their young. Who else has held the oceans in their hand? Who has measured off the heavens with his fingers? Now, in this particular chapter, finally, God's people is getting to the point where God is beginning to respond to them in a manner that gives them hope. But what I want to just quickly skip to, and some of you might be ahead of me, is verse 31 of chapter 40. Now again, the context of this is God's people is going through a treacherous time, a difficult time. Dare I say they're struggling to hold on to their faith. And verse 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord will find new strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. So today I want to talk a little bit about waiting on the Lord. We are often told to wait on God and you might have asked a friend or family member, you know, what are they doing or how are they going to get out of the circumstance? And most likely the answer is, I'm just waiting on the Lord. But what does that actually mean? It's easy to say we are waiting, but to actually fulfill the practical necessities of that statement, that's quite challenging to say the least. Anything that life throws at you can be resolved simply by waiting on the Lord. Do you know that? Ah, but you don't know what I'm going through. No, I don't. But I know my God. I know our God. And he has an excellent track record that if you just wait on him, there's no circumstance that cannot be resolved. Waiting is not a position of weakness, as many might perceive it to be. But it's a position of concealed strength and contentment. Content in what? Not accepting your circumstances, but you're content in knowing that the storm that you are in, God still has your back. God is still on the throne. This changes nothing about the God that you serve, that you know has plans to prosper you and not to harm you. If you look at nature, I always like looking at nature because that's the, the most clearest and most purest form of, of, of God's hand, if you look at it. And if you look in nature, things progresses at its intended pace, regardless of circumstances or anything like that. Look at nature, you don't see anything rushing, you don't see a flower rushing to bloom or to blossom or animals development. They don't rush, regardless of whether a storm is coming 
they just simply stay in tune and at the pace that God has installed in them. But yet we see that nothing is half made in nature. Nothing is inadequately provided for in nature. And every task in nature has a purpose and has a time frame. I want to encourage you with these words that you are part of nature. Do you know that? We often think that we are this elect being. and But in actual fact, we are God's creation. We form a part of nature. So if you look at the blueprint, that blueprint applies to you as well. I want to encourage you by saying the only thing between this season and your breakthrough is time. Trusting in God is trusting in the timing of God. To illustrate the significance of waiting, I want to use something that we're all familiar with, and that's music. Now, I'm not speaking about music that is synthesized through a computer or things like that. I'm talking about the most rawest form of music, and I'm talking about an orchestra. For those of you who had the privilege of sitting in an auditorium, where live music is being played, the cymbals are being crashed, the drums are beating, the harps are being played, the saxophone is playing. It's pure music, not being played through a speaker, it's the pure sound of the music. Now let me take this into context. Firstly, number one, the completed melody or the song represents God's will. That completed melody played from the start to the end is God's will. The musicians that's playing that represents God's tools. Now we know God uses all forms of tools in our lives to allow His melody to play through. Some of it's people, some of it's circumstances. Then you get something called the score sheet. You will see that each musician in front of them has a score sheet and that is the set of notes that needs to be played. They don't deviate from it. And that represents God's revelation or His communication when He communicates to us. And then last but not least, we have the conductor. Now often we overlook the work of the conductor or what he is doing. He just seems to be waving a stick. He seems to have no place on that podium. But actually what the conductor does is a very important job by facilitating the timing of the melody. Without the conductor, the composer's desires will never be fully met. Yes, the tune will be played, but it will not be played at the pace that he wants it to be played. Thus, it will not be his music. It will be something else. Now, Holy Spirit represents and Holy Spirit helps us and grants us the discernment in order to remain synchronized to God's will. This is why Christ had to leave, because He said that I'm sending the Helper, and this Helper is Holy Spirit, and Holy Spirit helps us to stay in tune to the rhythm and the pace of what God is doing, God's will. Now the conductor uses his stick to guide, and he gently just flows over, and he waves it to the left and to the right, and lifts it up and down, and this is how he controls the, the tempo of the song. But for us, we need to listen and be attentive to God's voice. John 10, 27 says, My sheep knows my voice, 
and the voice of a stranger they do not follow. So what does that look like to us? How do I make that? How do I explain that to you using everyday terms again? I'll use when Paul says, let us run our race to win. I'll use the race. So let us run our race to win. Let's be like an athlete that is poised and ready on the start line. That athlete doesn't take note of the distractions of the fans, nor is he focused on his fellow runners to the left and right of him. He is tuned into and will only act upon one sound, and that is the sound of the starter gun. Nothing else will move him. Nothing else matters. He waits patiently for his opportune time to launch into that which he has prepared for. Now like the athlete that is poised and waiting and ready, waiting for that starter pistol to signal that he can move, this should be our position in our faith. Waiting. We've done all our preparations. We've prayed. We've seek God. Now we're just waiting on that particular sound. And for each and every one of us, that sound is unique as God speaks to us in different ways. But we know without a doubt that that is God. That is the sound that needs to direct our paths. Amidst the noise of social media and difficult circumstances, let's tune our hearts into the sound of our Father's voice. Let's wait upon His call. Let's wait upon His will. In our waiting, we are assured a renewal of strength. We are sure that we will rise above whatever circumstances we are currently in. And we are assured of consistent progress. But those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will fly high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Amen. Amen.